0: All right. All right. All right. Yes, I'm back. Yes, the voice has returned. Yes, I did have a brutal cold and sinus infection that took my voice away from me for several days, but I'm back. I still have a little congestion. I still have a little raspiness in the voice, but suffice it to say I'm back and I'm going at it full strength here in the middle of the month. We used to call June. It's now just called pride, right? Yeah, that's what's going on pride we'll get to the white house and yesterday's big pride event joe biden held a pride event because i guess he solved inflation he solved gas prices he solved the baby formula crisis he fixed the border uh he's got russia stopping the war with ukraine all that stuff for the crime wave has been fixed All that's fixed so he can focus on celebrating the pride thingy. It's so maddening. It is so infuriating. It is beyond bizarre to me, this administration. But before we get to that, let's look at this day on the day in history. June 16th, Abraham Lincoln warned America, warned America we are becoming a house divided. Not a good thing. Now we're kind of facing that again, aren't we? On this date in 1884, America's very first roller coaster opened on Coney Island. It was amazingly fast, traveling a screaming six miles an hour and cost a nickel to ride. In Chicago, on this date, Cracker Jack was invented and debuted at the Columbian Exposition in Chicago. They um, boxed it up a couple of years later and put the name on it, but it, it showed up at the Columbian Exposition. Originally, originally, Pepsi-Cola was not known as Pepsi-Cola. It was first called Brad's Drink, named after one of the guys who invented it. And they trademarked it and rebranded it as Pepsi-Cola on this date in 1903. Let's flash back to high school, Anne Frank's Diary, Diary of a Young Girl, published in America for the first time on this date in 1952. In 1955, the House of Representatives voted to extend the Selective Service Act until 1959, otherwise known as the Draft. And I'm still mystified why the uh, equal rights people, who always crow about everything has to be equal between men and women, do not want women having to sign up for the draft on their 18th birthday like men have to. Doesn't make any sense. It's not fair. But here we are. In 1963, it was on this date that the Soviets beat us in the space race by sending Valentina Tereshkova The first woman into space, 1963. We didn't get there for about 20 years later. So they beat us on that one. But, you know, we got to the moon and back. Nobody else has done it. In 1978, a movie I thoroughly enjoyed, Greece, opened in theaters in America. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? All right, let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's get in. We have a lot to look at. The January 6th committee, by the way, they are continuing with their charade. And even though the Capitol police issued a report to the committee, totally exonerating representative Barry Loudermilk because the committee and several others for months and months and months had been speculating that Loudermilk was leading reconnaissance tours of the Capitol he was taking the riders around and let them look around and see how to get in and out that was a lie that was false and maybe you remember some of the mainstream media reporting on it the democrats and the mainstream media originally attacking Loudermilk
1: what we're learning about Loudermilk is that he was part of a direct lie Uh, to the
2: public and perhaps to the committee.
3: I think
1: Loudermilk will probably take the Fifth Amendment. I mean, this guy's pants look like they're on fire.
2: This is amount to a seditious conspiracy. Um, Is this the kind of thing that might warrant the consideration of expulsion from the House of Representatives?
0: Now, Barry Loudermilk has been defending himself even though, even though the Capitol Police issued a letter to the january 6th committee the soviet style show trial that there was nothing untoward they reviewed the tape and they said n- nothing to see here barry loudermilk was on with uh, laura ingram the other night trying to defend himself
4: just a uh, three or four weeks ago i find out about these accusations not from a letter that the committee sent to me No, they sent it to the press as I'm going to the airport and then I'm seeing my picture on the television screens of all these passengers that are seeing that I'm some kind of strange conspiracy uh, or, or evil conspirator here. And it's just ridiculous that the way that they're handling this committee and they keep moving the goalpost. You know, the original charge was we gave tours of the Capitol. There were no tours of the Capitol that day. Video evidence is there were no tours of the Capitol. Then they say, oh, it was at the Capitol There were hundreds of people in the Capitol complex, the House office buildings. In fact, it was the Democrat leadership ordered the gift shop open on the 5th because there were so many visitors there. So, Mickey Sherrill's accusation that there were no tours allowed Well, there are no no tours allowed at the Capitol, but there were plenty of people at the house office buildings because it was just another day. And now when it comes out and no mistake about it, the Capitol police were clear that they are trained in looking for suspicious activity. And the group I had in the house office buildings had did nothing suspicious, right? Nothing suspicious, nothing to see here. And they
0: weren't in the Capitol. They were in the office building. It's about a block and a half away. Anybody who's been to Washington knows it. But the committee yesterday released the same video that the Capitol Police sent in defense of Loudermilk. And the Capitol Police uh, totally exonerated him. But no, the committee's going to continue. And that means the media. I think this was Manu Raju over at CNN is still not letting Loudermilk go free. In fact, they're casting more aspersions on him.
2: He asked the Capitol Police to look into it. They did release a letter by from the uh, pol- police chief, Tom Manger, that said that there was no evidence that Loudermilk was giving
0: a tour of the Capitol building itself, but it didn't necessarily absolve him of any wrongdoing. No, it did. It absolutely did. There was no wrongdoing. This is a complete witch hunt and a waste of time. You wonder why the American people are fed up with both the media and the politics. It's absolutely disgusting what they're doing. And I I hope it's not going to bear any fruit. I don't think it will, but one never knows. You know, Washington DC seems to benefit from lies from the top. It's a really scary situation. But uh, Loudermilk, keep it up. Keep defending yourself. He did say um, with Laura Ingram, they have my phone number. Why didn't any of them call me? And MSNBC was, was absolutely uh, obsessed with one part of the video that shows a guy taking a picture inside the office building, not the Capitol, of the staircase, a stairwell that is used to go from floor to floor. Loudermilk explained the reason the guy was taking a picture up the staircase was not to case an escape route for a riot. There's an eagle, a golden eagle on the wall there that people stop and take a picture of. But MSNBC couldn't be troubled to do any actual journalism now, could they? No. No, that wouldn't work. That just wouldn't work. Ah. The inflation numbers came out yesterday for producer prices up 10.8%. That's near a record jump, near a record jump. And it looks like the mainstream media is starting to jump on Joe Biden for this When They're, they're finally realizing that America knows that this is Biden's inflation and CNN is even admitting it's worse, worse than Jimmy Carter.
2: Put the, this inflation in in context. How bad is the surge in prices? It's awful. I mean, it's awful and how people feel about it is even worse. You know, you look at the consumer sentiment right now and what do you see? This is the worst consumer sentiment ever measured by the University of Michigan going all the way back since now. This
0: is Harry Enden who says CNN contributor analyst and he's saying what I couldn't believe I'd ever hear on CNN that this is even worse than Jimmy Carter. This is worse than April of 1980, May of 1980, I'll let him explain it. It's worse than Jimmy Carter. And they're actually saying it out loud on CNN. It's it's kind of um, frightening and good.
2: Michigan going all the way back since 1952. Wow. Uh, you basically, even if you double my age, that doesn't get you back to 1952. And while I'm young, I'm not that young, right? Uh, the second worst, 1980, the third worst, 1980, I don't have to remind you, Inflation got Jimmy Carter, it killed that presidency. And in terms of why are consumers feeling this bad, well, it's pretty clear why they're feeling this bad, and that is because the Consumer Price Index is the worst it's ever been in a midterm cycle since 74. It's the worst it's been in any uh, presidential cycle or midterm cycle since 1980. So it's not much of a surprise. You can see it. It's literally off the charts on the table on your screen. And how does President Biden's performance rate? Awful. I mean, I knew that was the answer. But the answer is awful. I mean, you know, I'll compare it to Carter at this point in his presidency, right? Look at the disapproval rating Joe Biden has on in inflation right now. It's over 70%. Carter! Carter was not even there at this point in mid 1978. When you're doing worse than Jimmy Carter's doing in the minds of Americans on inflation, you know that they're holding you responsible for the conditions that are currently on the ground that are hurting Americans in their pocketbooks. Now,
0: I was alive and working right out of college when Jimmy Carter became president. And I will tell you it was pretty difficult. Inflation was insane. The prime lending rate had forced home mortgages well over 10%. Now they're just over 6%. Now, if, if you missed out uh, refinancing your home or getting a mortgage, In January of this year, when it was down in like the uh, high two percentage points or low threes, you are screwed. You're not going to get that deal. But even even this one doesn't compare to Jimmy Carter where people were bragging, hey, I got a 14% home loan. Really? It's bad. And the Federal Reserve raised the prime lending rate yesterday in an effort to try and slow down the inflation. But it's not going to do anything for a while. This is a gigantic ocean liner that you can't just put tap the brakes and slow it down. That's that's not possible. And something very interesting happened today. I said CNN is saying that quite a Quiet part out loud on MSNBC today. MSNBC actually had uh, Mr. Ratner, Steve Ratner, who was a um, a big, big supporter of uh, Obama. I think he was the uh, car czar under Obama. He's a he's a financial guy. He's also a rich guy, and he was he was putting this squarely on Biden, and he is spot on, one hundred percent correct
2: there there, there are, uh, are several culprits there's Biden and what he's done and it's not irrelevant but it's not and what the, and, and what is that well, that is all the spending, basically. Yeah, the, the, the American the, the, relief, plan, the relief. The $1,400 tax, the $2 trillion that you and I have talked about a lot that's on the sidelines. Half of that's government money that we gave people to spend, and now they're trying to spend it, so you get inflation. Yeah. Uh, and as we talked about the other day, left to its own devices, the administration would have proposed another $4 trillion of programs with taxes, but nonetheless, they right. still would have, uh, had, but, but that's one issue.
0: Yeah. And the administration's still thinking they want to put more stimulus out there. They want to print more money to make the money you have worth a whole lot less. It's absolutely a suicide mission on the American economy, what these guys are doing. And and then there's the border. We should talk about the border because today the Biden administration is going to make an administrative decision. To uh, penalize or to to put something in the record of the border guards who were on horseback and they were alleged to be whipping people trying to come into the country illegally, they were doing no such thing. An investigation proved that they've been on desk duty since last September. So an agency that's already pushed to the max, an agency that's short two thousand border guards, border agents has two of its finest who are capable of riding horses and helping protect the border. They've been sitting at desk duty for months for three quarters of a year because of this charade that was was said about them that's proved to be wrong. And now the administration is going to put some sort of administrative penalties on them in their permanent records. It's a horrible thing. They're, they're going to erode the confidence of law enforcement now more than three and a half million illegal immigrants have crossed the border in the first 16 months of joe biden three and a half million some of those we sent back some of those we don't know where the hell they are and i'm not not even talking about the fentanyl that came in that could easily destroy this country but we have three and a half million who crossed the border illegally. A year ago, Joe Biden was sitting down with, uh, I think it was Craig Melvin over at um, NBC and taking some questions. This was a year ago. And you have to hear this. It's a gigantic freaking lie. But in April alone, Mr.
1: President, 170,000 people, migrants, apprehended at the border. It's a 20-year record. There are 22,000 unaccompanied children in our country right now. That's a, that, that's a record. That sounds to most folks like a crisis. Well, look, it's way down now. We've now gotten control. For... We've
0: gotten control? No, you haven't gotten control. And, and the reference to last year of 100-plus thousand is now eclipsed by the 230,000. Biden hears this and, and he hears Craig Melvin say it's a record. And you wonder if he thinks, yay, I set a record. Do I get a trophy? The border is not under control. Inflation is not under control. It's his problem. The crime problem in the country is only gonna be exacerbated because the Biden administration is adding to its team, its White House team. They've just, they've just anointed former mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, to be a part of the White House. She's one of the defund the police big city mayors. She's the one of the people who believes the best way to solve the crime problem is to give the police less money so they can't do their jobs. In 2020, when all hell was breaking loose after the George Floyd riots, the stuff going on in Seattle and Kenosha and a- everywhere across the country. This is what mayor bottom said to the media.
3: A very simplified message is defund the police. But I think the the overarching theme is that people want to see a reallocation of resources into community development and alternatives to just criminalizing um, responses to behavior.
0: No criminalizing responses to behavior. When your behavior is to break the law, that's a crime. She's just joined the Biden administration's team. Somebody who out and out, flat out said, defund, reallocate resources. And the people don't want that. The people want the cop on the street. I lived in New York City for 20 plus years. I saw some of the worst of New York City and I saw some of the best. And the best happened when Rudy Giuliani came in and put cops on the streets, did stop and frisk, broken window policing. And New York City became safe and prosperous and then came the Democrats and destroyed a great city. So we have a problem with crime. We have a problem with inflation. At least the administration has done everything it can do about gas prices, right? Right? Yesterday, KGB, karine Jean-Pierre, the incompetent press secretary, was at the podium getting questioned on gas prices because Joe Biden wrote a letter to the oil company saying you got to do more. You've got to. You have got to do more. You greedy bastards at big oil. Which is really kind of interesting because back in March, Joe Biden was uh, bragging about the oil production in America. This actually was March. Not that long ago. Joe could probably even remember saying this. This was March of this year. The same guy who wrote the letter to all the heads of the oil companies saying, damn it, you've got to get more oil out of the ground. You greedy bastards. Which really doesn't make sense because the oil companies, if oil's at a record price per barrel, why wouldn't they get more oil to market because they'd make more money? See, there's no logic there. But here's Joe back in March actually praising the oil companies
1: we're approaching a record levels of oil and gas production in the united states and we're on track to set a record oil production next year
0: so he was bragging about that and now he's writing letters he's writing letters said oh boy so yesterday kgb is in the press room and uh takes a question on the rising gas prices by the way the wall street journal on thursday uh, asked the question Will we have $6 a gallon oil average in the country? Yeah, pretty soon. California's going, told you. But here's that exchange yesterday. Now, listen, because something in here is very telling, and not too many people in media caught it.
3: All people I haven't called on yet. Go ahead. Thanks, up um, In the letter
4: from the president to the oil refinery, the refiners, he said they need to work with the administration to yeah. bring about a near term solution. Is there an or else in there from the president? Is there some way that the administration? plans to try to hold these companies accountable. You use the word responsibility in your message right. at the top we, we
3: see it as a patriotic duty, um, as we as we are, um, uh, as we've talked about, there's war happening uh, right now in Ukraine that was caused by, uh, caused by Russia, which is why we're seeing uh, the, these hikes in gas prices.
0: Uh, time out for one second. Uh, Russia, Putin can't really cause the price of gas to go up that much. I think we got 8% of our oil. From Russia, 8% can't drive, a 100% increase in the cost. Just saying, so we know that's a lie, but continue, madam. If you wish to continue, explain. Uh, Listen to what she's saying.
3: Gas price, prices, uh, especially with, since, since Russia has amassed, uh, started amassing uh, troops on the border.
0: So now they're moving back the date and blame. For the price of gas. It used to be February twenty fourth, which is when Putin invaded Ukraine. Now they're moving that back to when Putin started amassing troops on the border, which goes back to August of last year. And I remind you, our our importation of oil from Russia was not that big. It wouldn't have that big of an effect. Eight percent doesn't drive a hundred percent, but I'll let her continue because there's something else here that She says it needs attention. It's really disturbing.
3: On the border, we saw a, we've seen a two dollar uh, increase of gas prices. So we know where to put the blame on the war. On you, but uh, oil companies, they have oil refineries, they have responsibility too. What they have been doing is taking advantage of the war. And as as I showed earlier, they have tripled uh, uh, tripled their uh, their their income. And so this is a problem. But what we're trying to do by putting out the letter, we are saying, hey, we need you to act. It is time to act we want to have a conversation we want to come to a solutions uh there is going to be a a, a conversation later this this week i believe with the uh energy department uh, and so that's going to happen so this is basically a, a bit of a hey we want we want you to act it's time to act we have done our part with the whoa whoa
0: whoa you see that we have done our part We have done our part with the strategic petroleum release, a million barrels a day for 180 days, leaking out some of our emergency supplies. We've done our part, damn it. Really kind of scary when you think about it, isn't it? They claim they have done their part. Hmm. Very interesting. We have done our part. You need to do your part. So Joe Biden's gonna go to Saudi Arabia and bow and scrape and and beg for oil. Gonna beg for oil in 2022. You wouldn't have to do that, Joe, if you just open up the pipelines and get the hell out of the way. But in 2020, Joe said some pretty tough stuff about the Saudis.
1: And I would make it very clear We were not going to, in fact, sell more weapons to them. We were going to, in fact, make them pay the price and make them, in fact, the pariah that they are. There's very little social redeeming value of the in the present uh, government in Saudi Arabia.
0: So can you imagine you're the king of Saudi Arabia, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and Joe's meeting with you and you guys flip a coin, father and son, who's going to tell him to go pound sand? Because there's plenty of it right out that door, Joe. How do you tell them that they're pariahs? And then go ask them, please, can we please have some of your juicy, crude oil from the desert? It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. And I, I would not be surprised if the Saudis, who've been friends of ours, even though they do some pretty... Awful stuff to some of their people, even though they're anti-homosexuals. By the way, they're running around giving up the rainbow toys in Saudi Arabia because they can't be promoting the rainbow toy thing because they can't have June being called Pride Month over in Saudi Arabia. But we're going to go beg them for oil. Our president, our pitiful president's going to go beg them for oil. Speaking of Pride Month, which I, uh, I just did, Joe Biden had an event yesterday at the White House because he has solved every single problem. We fixed everything, inflation, we fixed the crime, we fixed the people dying of fentanyl, the borders tightened up. So we're gonna have a party to celebrate Pride and brag about Pride. If we could only figure out how to really pronounce the thing
1: I'm also proud to have signed an executive order on my first day in office to combat discrimination against LGBTQI, excuse me, plus American.
0: Yeah, nobody gets that right, Joe. It, it's an embarrassment. Nobody gets the LGBTQRSTVU, uh, uh yeah, whatever. I'm old enough to remember back in 2019 when Joe Biden did a town hall with Anderson Cooper and said some pretty kind of insensitive or just dumb stuff about people in that community.
1: Remember Anderson back 15 20 years ago we talked about this and in, in in San Francisco is all about well, you know, gay 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 bathhouses and every, It's all about round the clock sex. It's all Come on, man.
0: Yeah, come on, Remember? man. Come on, man. Did anyone ever ask him, "Joe, what the hell was that?" Seriously? What was that? Totally embarrassing. Speaking of totally embarrassing, this administration, after its Pride Month celebration, can point to the Michigan Attorney General, who happens to be a Democrat named Dana Nessel. I don't know uh, Attorney General Nessel, but I know that she thinks the best thing for all of our schools would be to have a drag queen in every school. That's what we need. A drag queen.
3: No, it's not a problem for kids who are seeking a good education. Drag queens. Okay? Let me say this. Drag queens, not only are they not hurting our kids, drag queens make everything better.
0: Drag queens make everything better. <laughs> It's like she's doing a stand-up routine. This is at a uh, an LGBTQ yada 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 event, but that's the attorney general for the state of Michigan advocating for a drag queen in every school. How about we have an education in every school? How about we just have something that can be really good for the kids, like math and reading and science? Wouldn't that be a good idea? Hmm. I think so. I really think so. Oh, boy. um, There is some good news. There is some happy news. There is some news that, that should inspire you, make you feel better about the world. And it, it comes from our friend, Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Roizen reached out to me and said, Uh, This study you asked me about, uh, the one that showed that um, a certain kind of cancer was treated in a trial, granted a small trial, and they had a 100% cure rate. There's a whole lot to this, and there's some really interesting news about curing cancer, as well as the other health stories that we should talk about, how important sleep is, and how important sex is to staying healthy. So Dr. Mike Royzen is going to join us in just a second, talking about a major breakthroughs in cancer, which is just gigantic. I I wish it could happen sooner. We'll explain, he'll explain, and we'll talk about the, um, about the special health data of the week. That's next on the Pure Pelka podcast. I'm very excited. I'm very happy. I'm thrilled to have our friend, Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic joining us as he does pretty much every single week to talk about your health, your wellness, breakthroughs and new treatments and things you should avoid. But most importantly, I'm here to celebrate Dr. Michael Roizen because we are now less than 90 days until the release of the great age reboot cracking the longevity code for a younger tomorrow, less than three months, doc. It's going to be here before we know it.
5: I'm looking forward to it.
0: I'm excited. And, uh, I've been, I've been hyping it with my friends. So we're getting everybody to pre-order it. We'll talk about it in great detail when it comes out. Doc, there's a couple of stories that caught my eye in the last couple of weeks. Uh, One of them relates to cancer and a cancer trial. Now, I know it was a really small trial, But uh, what do you know about this cancer treatment that apparently cured everybody involved in the trial?
5: Well, first of all, rectal cancer is a serious and problematic, um, if you will, cancer, meaning it is often a difficult treatment because of where it's located. You go to a colostomy bag, you have surgery. Now the history of this drug is the history of what we call checkpoint inhibitors. So the guy who developed these all was a wonderful scientist named Jim Allison. And I'll tell you a couple stories about him because what this is is using a checkpoint inhibitor, which inhibits the inhibitor that cancer cells produce. Hmm. So why do cancer cells survive against our immune system? They send out a signal called a checkpoint that says, hey, immune system, check yourself. I'm a normal cell. And so that's how they try and fool the immune system into not attacking them.
0: Wait a minute. So cancer cells, cancer has a kind of a trickery going on, kind of gives the immune system the old okey-doke, it says nothing to see here, go back to your, go back to your uh, station.
5: That's exactly right. Wow. You'd say to, to the system, don't attack me, right? It's an okey-doke, I'm fine. Yeah. But um, a guy who had this theory, Jim Allison, in about 1978, started developing it. Wow. He was able to knock out cancers in all the mice. So he said, this is real. They, this was at UC San Francisco when he was a graduate student in immunology and they licensed this to a number of drug companies and all of them failed. Hmm. That they all failed to improve over chemotherapy so but he was still convinced this was a solid and appropriate treatment so um, he formed his own company and had a three-year got a three-year trial from raised enough money to have a three-year trial um, in metastatic malignant melanoma Hmm. so metastatic means it's not contained malignant melanoma metastatic malignant melanoma had about a uh, 10% one year survival rate and a, about a 1% five year survival rate at that time. The trial after one year was there was 12.6% survivors in the chemotherapy only group, 12.3% in chemotherapy and immunotherapy and the safety monitoring committee. There's always a safety monitoring committee told him to stop going because there was no chance that they were going to find a benefit to the checkpoint inhibitor. And all the studies up to that point had failed in humans, and um, they'd all been one-year studies. But he kept going. He he. In fact, if you look on the cover of Rolling Stone, he was singing the immunotherapy blues in a Uh, coffee house in Berkeley that night that he decided was told to stop but he decided what the hell this is all we've got in my career I'm gonna keep going
0: Wow yeah and he had decades into this if he started this back in the 70s this is a guy who thinks he's he's unlocked uh, the way we can stop cancer and and it was his results were initially so close to chemotherapy all the experts were saying hey give it up pal Move on, keep walking. But he- well, not
5: only the experts, but they are the ones who control the safety of drugs. Hmm. So, and they work, if you will, in conjunction with the FDA, they said, stop. But he said, I'm going to continue. I am going I've got enough money for three years. If this works fine, if not, my career's over anyway. He kept going. And what happened at three years The survival rate of immunotherapy and chemotherapy was 11.3%. The survival rate of chemotherapy alone was 3.2%. And um, the checkpoint inhibitor worked. Wow. Probably know of that checkpoint inhibitor. It's now called Keytruda. He sold the company um, for a lot of money and he got the Nobel Prize. And just to give you the idea, What's that meant to society? Well, the uh, cure rate, not the survival rate, but the cure rate of now metastatic malignant melanoma is over 60%. He thinks it'll get to be in the 80% range pretty soon.
0: That's amazing. Um,
5: his, his name is Jim Allison. He got the Nobel Prize. This therapy is another, it's a modification of, now, by the way, Uh, Dana-Farber came up with a second checkpoint inhibitor. There are two checkpoints that the cancer cells send these messages to to stop the immune system, and so the theory was right. It allowed other people to go on, and there now are two checkpoints. This is one of those drugs that hits um, the checkpoints, and um, it allows your immune system to kill the cancer and get a cure.
0: This is phenomenal, doctor, and the dedication... To go on after decades and decades. I, I, you know, so many of us try something and it, it fails once or twice, and we're like, i ah, give it up. Uh, God bless these people. God bless them for going forward. This treatment, latest treatment, in a small group, 18 people, may be opening a door to uh, a bigger trial, or, or will they just start using this?
5: Oh, no. They, they will now do a phase three trial. But it will be very accelerated. So what the FDA does in situations like this is they say, this is wonderful. We're going to do an accelerated trial. And they do that.
0: Great. Wow. That's excellent. Well, we'll we'll follow up on this. So much great research you delivered this week, Dr. Royzen. Uh, let's start with one of the topics we hit pretty much every month when we talk on this show, and that's sleep. And I have to know who sleeps better. Is it people who sleep alone? Is it single people or is it
5: couples? So the big answer to this is what do you think? Let's do a test.
0: Well, um, I I would tend to think it would be couples, but my wife who deals with my snoring on occasion might differ.
5: So I'm thinking, um, people who
0: sleep alone sleep better.
5: Uh, No, it's actually the other way. If the couple is compatible, it is, in fact, the couples that sleep better. And usually, now the other thing that I didn't know, um, but you could guess as well, was that if a couple always, the man always chooses the left bed or the right side of the bed, they always choose that, and for their entire married life, they keep on the same sides.
0: As far as couples who are compatible, sleeping better. If they're not compatible, if people are not exactly happy in their relationship, one of them's probably sleeping with one eye open. I'm just saying doc, you know, you gotta, you gotta be cautious in that situation. This number four on your list. I eat fish as often as I can. But this uh, brought my, uh, my eyebrows to a new height. Higher fish intake increases melanoma risk?
5: Well, the good news is we have a cure for uh, even metastatic malignant melanoma, as you heard about the Jim Allison story. Yeah. You know, 80%. But, um, and you should see, I mean, there, there's a message here as well. But the fish are eating toxins. Mm. And this is especially true of fish that feed uh, near our shores. So, um, if you will, it is the, uh, the, the shrimp and the clams, et cetera. Um, and, but it also is, is bottom fishers. So tile fish, tuna, swordfish. There's about a 25% increase in melanoma in people who have higher fish intake. Um, This was uh, a study in the AARP diet health study looking at almost 500,000 people over a 12-year period, 6 million years of study. And they found that people who ate more fish had this increased melanoma risk. Now, is it because people who eat more fish are also out in nature more and in the sun more? Is it because of the toxins in the fish? We don't know what it does. Again, large databases bring up questions that we then in medicine will try and answer. So this is an early question. Why is there this increase in risk? Is it because of the toxins of the fish or is it because of something else associated with fish eaters that is done? Um, The other point to remember on this story is um, see a dermatologist once a year um, over the age of 65 every other year from 50 to 64. Um, so when you're 50, 52, 54, you should see a dermatologist to have a total body scan, some way when you're um, 65 every year. <laughs> and uh, slather on, be generous with the zinc oxide, which is the sunblock which is beneficial, most beneficial without toxicity, slather it on um, so you're protected.
0: Just be smart, people. It doesn't take much time or money to protect your skin, and it is a very important organ. Number 10, what are the five benefits of a healthy sex life? Because I think you left one out.
5: Um, Well, in addition to the physical pleasure, which doesn't count as one of the five.
0: That was mine. See, I was going to add that, the fun part.
5: um, But it also, it burns calories. It helps with heart health, it helps your immune system, it reduces pain and reduces stress.
0: There you go, people, that's your argument. You, you don't want to be accused of being...
5: That, that's a wellness foreplay story of the week, too.
0: I love that, the wellness foreplay might even include a little foreplay. Excellent, doctor. His name is Dr. Michael Roizen. He is our link to the medical world, to better health, to living better, living younger, living longer. And as I mentioned, we are now less than three months away from the release of The Great Age Reboot. So go and pre-order it so you have it on your desk when September 13th rolls around. Doc, thank you so much for all of the information. We appreciate you.
5: My
3: privilege, thank you.